Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Shane Demon. I'm Father Travis Crotty. It's good to be with you. And, like uh, always. Like always, it's good to be with you. We always love not only jamming with each other on different topics that affect you know those who feel outcast from the church or those who think that the church is outcast, but um, it's also good just to connect with our listeners, not knowing how the Holy Spirit can anoint this experience of their listening and and are providing, and you never know what graces will come from that. So what a blessing. We do hope it's helpful out there. It's always, you don't get to meet as many listeners as I do, but it's always fun. Mm-hmm. Random spots in our diocese, people who are faithful listeners. So mm-hmm. thank you. Those of you who always um, keep tuning in, mm-hmm. maybe those of you who are tuning in for the first or second or third time, thanks for coming. Thanks for joining. Father Shane, have you ever seen, uh, I don't know where this kind of landed in your upbringing, in your, you know, just like when what, how old you were. Um, the Nightmare Before Christmas, the Tim Burton movie. Have you seen that? Yeah. Um, How old were you when that was? Were you like a high schooler when that came out? No. Well, maybe. I don't remember. I, I'm going to guess maybe age 12. I don't yeah. quite remember. Well, I would, would have been watching it like when I was younger. You mm-hmm. know, like it would have been out for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird. Mm-hmm. Tim Burton kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, there, it's it's kind of a classic though. Kind of Kind of weird, kind of interesting. Jack Skeleton. The reason I bring that up is because we had something of a nightmare before Christmas happening. Yes. Just the other day. Do in tell. The house. Do um, tell. And tell the listeners. Father Shane, I already mentioned the story to you, but um, I was catching up on the Liturgy of the Hours as priests sometimes do it, you know, 10 p.m. in their house chapel, you know, maybe a little daytime prayer at mm-hmm. 10 p.m., but uh, behind for the day. It happens sometimes, you know, uh, but we're still getting it in. And, um, we have a big old house, so it creaks and moans and makes lots of sounds just because it's an old house. Um, but I'm in my chapel. It's like 10 p.m., and I just hear a big thud upstairs. Just boom, boom. Yeah, I'll yeah, give yeah. you sound effects. Yeah, that was good sound effects <laughs> by the shade. Yeah, big, like, thud. And I'm just like, did the rector take a tumble, take a spill? Like, and I guess, like, I guess I also, as, as you know, it's like D- Douglas Street, it just we're close to downtown there's a lot of folks who walk up and down there's a yep. lot of street noise it's like lots of street weird noise. stuff's just always going I, I don't know it's like whatever <laughs> you know <laughs> something blew up who knows so that's <laughs> so in the cathedral parish um so i'm just whatever and i just keep grinding through the liturgy hours and i, I go ahead and grinding the, in the most holy way absolutely see I, yeah i said that again i'm sorry <laughs> I, i'm just kind of moving through rather i keep working through liturgy of the hours praying through liturgy of the hours and I go to the kitchen to get a little, you know, late night snack out of the fridge. And the, the rector, Father David, comes down with a broom. I'm looking at him. He's like, there's a bat in my room. It's not an uncommon experience to mm-hmm. have uh, bats. and uh, In old houses? <laughs> we probably talked about it you know, in big old houses. But we probably talked about this back in, uh, oh, back when we first started, the the legendary, Murci- I learned the Spanish is Murcielago. Okay. Because uh, I moved uh, a little... Um, kind of screened by the radiator to turn off the radiator in the spring, like Mm -hmm. three, four years ago. And a bat was clinging to the, to the kind of grill thing, but Uh having died, Oh, hanging upside down next to the radiator where it got too hot. Okay. This one, however, was not dead. However, it flew in front of, uh, our, our, you know, holy rector, as he was just watching some TV, flew directly in front of him between him and the TV. And he started freaking out, (laughs) got, went downstairs, got a broom, but it flew (laughs) 
underneath this tree skirt of his Christmas tree that he has in his room. Okay. So the boom, boom I heard was him trying to whack this tree skirt. Okay. Um, so well, I probably don't want to say this if you know anybody's you know, PETA or listening or, but I helped him, uh, quiet neutralize the neutralize, bat neutralize <laughs> the bat that's right yeah the, the morcielago is and then it was really funny because uh what did we have on hand to kind of scoop it up with you don't want to touch about with your hands you never know mm-hmm. well there was like a little like gift bag so that it was fun kind of funny then we had a dead bat in a gift bag and we thought and you brought that to the company christmas party, exactly that's you? what we brought it we yes. brought it to the that's right to the chance of christmas party so okay thankfully that that nightmare before christmas is done mm-hmm. um, and as we're recording we're still preparing to celebrate the joyful you know not scary birth of our lord that's right um exactly. don't worry listeners nobody actually got the gift bag with the bat as Correct. of yet. As, as of, of yet. yet. No, I told our housekeeper and she made sure to quickly remove the trash bag where okay. it was residing. You in. guys didn't take it out to the dumpster yourself. It was late. Are you the kidding me? It's kind of far away. So. No, it's not. It's, kind of it's down the stairs. It's, no, then you got to go down the. So you got to unlock uh, it. It's a whole thing. Are you though. kidding me? <laughs> okay. <laughs> what should we talk about today? Here's one. Here's one for you. Um, Recently came across an article, and uh, students in my fundamental theology class at the seminary would also know this article. And they're probably all listening right now. Probably. Um, It's an article written by a humanist. And for anyone who doesn't know that term, uh, a humanist can be described very, very broadly. Not everyone agrees on the same definition, but humanists don't always really recognize the presence of God. If they do, they might be deists, saying that there is a God, but might not have revealed himself to us or we don't have really access to him and he doesn't seem very interested in our affairs. But many strict humanists would not even recognize the presence of God and therefore they, they view organized religion um, you know, as just kind of bogus. Okay, But what's kind of their, I mean, humanists it can be focused on just sort of human virtue. Right. right. So when you don't recognize the presence of God, when you don't recognize the supernatural realm above the natural realm, you're left with an expression of humanity. What is man's greatness? How is, how is the human spirit and the human ideal always advancing itself, always striving for more, always improving? Um, and with that mentality, there can be quite a, a criticism against organized religion. Uh, because if man is kind of the, the center of the universe, if the human experience needs to be the focal point in which in its heightened expression, it reaches somehow its, its greatest expression or its greatest culmination, then all energies need to be ordered towards that. And in this particular article written by Humanist, uh, he was really denouncing the Bible. Uh, he wasn't saying that it's, he didn't believe that it's inspired by God. He doesn't think there is a really a God. And he thought the Bible would be composed by very primitive people who really can't speak into you know, the modern technological advances that we so understand today. We're not going to get into scriptural in- inspiration and inerrancy here on this episode. In, in the context of this article written largely about Scripture, he states that those who are worshiping God are wasting their time and their energy and their money. And that's what I want to attack here, and that's mm. what I want to address. Those who are worshiping God are wasting their time, their money, their money, and their energy, basically chasing after a unicorn, basically chasing after the tooth fairy, mm. spending time, creating institutions, building church buildings, wasting time, um, you know, going to Sunday liturgies, maybe even daily mass, celebrating the sacraments, doing processions, other litanies and devotions, building grottos, going on pilgrimages, 
raising money for um, church-related you know, projects. All of that is a waste of resources that could be going towards the building up of humanity, the building up of the humanist dream of having the greatest expression of, of the human race possible. Why sit around and waste our time in church buildings that we've constructed to glorify a God that doesn't exist? Why go worship him and try and talk to him and pray to him with devotions and, and rituals because he's not actually there? Why spend money raising uh, you know, financial resources um, for missions and, and projects for a God that doesn't exist and therefore a mission that is bogus from the beginning? This is his critique. Um, and I don't know that it's on the front minds of everybody, especially anyone who's feeling an outcast, like they're an outcast Catholic from the church. They might not be approaching their faith strictly from a humanist point of view. But this is a critique that's out there, and I've heard seminarians actually address it. Mm-hmm. They have been criticized by this, saying, why are you wasting your time chasing after an invisible God who doesn't exist? You're giving your life, you know, potentially to serving God as a priest someday, but even that, um, you're giving your life towards the expression of Christianity in Catholicism that leads you nowhere. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to address. Very good. I think that we, even who are in the church, um, those of us listening, uh, young people who are kind of swimming in the cultural soup that is our contemporary milieu, our experience, we are very much affected by kind of a materialistic humanism, whether we recognize it or not. Um, these are the type of questions that students are kind of wrestling with, whether they're engaging them in a theology class with a chaplain, a campus minister, or just with themselves, maybe with their friends, but usually just in their heads. Um, And all these philosophical kind of ideologies or thoughts, this is why we study philosophy before we study theology. A lot of people don't remember that sometimes, but they all kind of bleed together, right? It's like, where does the humanism come from? Well, you're kind of already anticipating this materialism that rejects anything that we can't tangibly take apart and dissect and mm-hmm. put back together and understand and kind of comprehend the world with. Um, all the time, though, that is, students, it, this is a waste of time. What was the point of this? Or like proof, prove, always, you got to prove. Prove to me like through some materialistic like means that God exists. Mm-hmm. And if you can prove that, then maybe this, I, I always think it's funny because it's like, then what? You'd actually change your life? Mm-hmm. Or then you come up with another argument, you know, because mm-hmm. you just don't want to have to follow in this way. I think we're all affected by that. Um, have you read the book Father Elijah before? No, I have it on my, Michael this O'Brien. is the O'Brien series. Oh man. No, I don't. Good. I have it, but I've not read it. Yeah, same. That was always recommended to me. That's kind of the, the struggle is kind of this, this president who is a humanist, who's just like, hey, like we can work with the church, but you guys got to get out of your kind of like medieval ideas of, you know, just like building churches and praying all the time. And it's really about building up humanity mm-hmm. because we are going to build a better world. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to make the world great again through our own means and through mm-hmm. our own efforts. Yeah. So I guess all I want to say is like the context I think is so, we're also kind of ripe for the a better understanding of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to address this in a 20, 25 minute episode, I, I mean, I could actually take hours to unpack what is God's revelation to us and how do we receive that with credibility in the testimony of the church and the testimony of all those who have received God's revelation. We could spend hours unpacking that. Um, but what, what I just want to focus in on is this phrase, it's a waste. Mm. The waste of time, the waste of money, the waste of energy, actually you know, following God, worshiping him, trying to become a disciple, presuming from the humanist perspective that he doesn't exist. 
a waste? Is it a waste to actually, you know, be following the Lord who has revealed himself to us? Obviously, we're going to say no, <laughs> though we actually, you know, believe and, are, and find certitude in the fact that he has revealed himself to us. He's come on earth, incarnate as man, redeemed us from the penalty of sin and death on the wood of the cross, and is inviting us to live his life now through the grace of the Holy Spirit so that we can share in the fullness of that life one day in the glory of heaven. None of us is going to say that is a waste. Um, But even if we were to play the devil's advocate for a moment, even if we were just to kind of play along with a charade argument to say, is it a waste to spend time in church? Um, I think you could make the argument that humanity is still being served uh, by those gathering in community and those striving after virtue, those actually worshiping something beyond themselves. Because even if, from the humanist perspective, even if God doesn't exist, well, at least those people who are worshiping are not in that hour of worship caught up in egotism and narcissism, right? Mm. The fact that they've even gathered together uh, now, the humanist is going to say they've gathered together to worship an unreal God. Um, but at least they're not sitting on ho- at home becoming isolated from a sense of community and thereby collapsing in more on their narcissistic, egotistical selves, right? Just the fact of wanting to gather in community to build up the neighborhood by a common act of, of ritual that uh, inherits the past traditions of previous generations and seeks to hand them on the subsequent generations, even that in and of itself is a good for humanity, let alone that we're still going to say God exists and ought mm-hmm. to be worshipped, right? Um, but for the humanists to say these gatherings of humanity are, are threatening and that they are wasting time and energy and money that could be gone, else, gone elsewhere. Now, maybe they would say, go ahead and gather as a community, but go ahead and gather at the soup kitchen. Go ahead and gather at the homeless shelters, Go ahead and gather where the environment needs to be cleaned up more. Do that as a way to receive values from previous generations and pass down a witness to the next generations and keep gathering as a community. Um, but I don't think that even captures the, the, the clear heart of what worship really is uh, and that seeking something on the supernatural realm that is above humanity I think actually gives us the greatest sense of dignity. There's something very noble about striving for that which is beyond us, going beyond the natural realm of humanity towards the supernatural, because, of course, we are going to insist that God exists. Um, And I don't know that the humanist perspective is going to want to grant that, but they are missing something so deeply in what worship is, is how worship ought to be ordered. Does that make sense? It does. Um, Yeah, this is so interesting, though. Um, And as a... (laughs) God believe in God believe in Catholic priest. I just I think it's interesting that the Christian life lived with conviction is always a provocation to the atheist or the humanist. Mm-hmm. Meaning this like nobody writes articles about cosplay and how they're wasting time dressing up like made up like characters. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares about that. It's just like nobody's making a big deal about all these other things. It's like but there is always this kind of like there's there's an agitation there. Mm-hmm. It's like your life doesn't actually make sense. I can't put you in a category unless God actually does exist. Mm-hmm. Um, my friends who are uh, Byzantine monastics, um, nuns, right? And we were just with the Carmelites we were talking about, especially monastics. Their life doesn't make sense in a worldly way necessarily fully, right? 
without Christ. Mm-hmm. And so this is where I think there's still a real question, though. It's like, because we as Christians, we can't just say, yeah, yeah, but look, it's not a waste of time for all these just like humanitarian reasons. We're doing a really good job at this. It's just interesting that it really like begs the question. But I think the challenge that I'm receiving and I'm hearing from this is that's why there can be no room for hypocrisy, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like, it, unless this is changing you, and not that we're all continually working through conversion, but unless this is actually taking effect in your life, as the popular song says, you know, they'll know we're Christians by our love. Mm-hmm. It's like if there's nothing to prove for it, then it. Why? Why would people think it's a waste of time? You know, but if the real like, if the if it provokes a question of why are they doing this, and if there's actually like bearing fruit in their life, if they're better people for it, if there's more virtue you can point to, then like. Well, that should be itself like a means of a motive of credibility for somebody else to come to a greater belief. Yeah, holiness is always one of the greatest sources of credible witness, right? That can give testimony to others. It makes you wonder if the humanist who wrote this article that I'm referencing has ever experienced that. Mm-hmm. Have they ever actually taken note of really vibrant, faithful discipleship lived in Christians who are on fire with the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Have they seen charity at work? Um and do they recognize that, okay, you, you want to you make man glorified? <laughs> you really want to find the greatest expression of humanity? Well, why don't you actually do that in union with the creator who wants to share his divine life with you and through the Holy Spirit pumping you with divine grace? Um, watch that uh, and, and look for that witness among the holy saints of God who are on this earth, uh, holy witnesses surrounding us everywhere. Look at that expression of humanity does that not give humanity its greatest dignity because it's ordered and rooted in, you know, one's creator? Um, you know, for the, the humanist who, who really wants humanity to be exalted and dignified and glorified, well, great, we can speak that language. We can definitely lean into that and find common ground there. Um, but let's not, chop, uh, let's not chop ourselves off at the feet and try and do this completely on our own knowing that the Lord actually has revealed a way that we get to share eternal glory with him and that man fully alive is actually the glory of God, as St. Irenaeus would say, mm. right? Yeah, and as that beautiful line from the Second Vatican Council says that Christ reveals man to himself, I think, and it's tough because we want to take a positive approach and affirming what's good in kind of our opponent's positions. Mm-hmm. It is, it's a good thing that we want to be fully human. That's a good desire, right? And the church would affirm that. Like you just said, the glory of God is man fully alive. Mm-hmm. But it comes back to this question of can we actually do that on our own? Can we actually make ourselves happy? We have generations of history that show that that's not the case, mm-hmm. um, that political leaders will inevitably f- fail us. <laughs> they won't be this like perfect savior. Um, all these wonderful societies that have done all these wonderful, incredible things, they've collapsed in the past, right? And there's there's still war in the world. There's still this struggle. Um do we actually have it in ourselves to just like pick ourselves up and make ourselves better by ourselves? Um, it seems that like a, a proper reading of history would say that we actually need a savior mm-hmm. um, and, and somebody to reveal back to us what it means to be fully human. Um, as Christians, we believe that Christ has done that in a, like a specific way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, we can all agree that there have been bad apples in every religious expression. Um, and what Christ came to bring on earth with the gift of redemption and the church that he founded is still always going to be incorporated by sinners. And we're all on the path to holiness. 
And you, you, as you say earlier, there's no room for hypocrisy and the sin that can creep up among sinners, even among ourselves here as priests, that can create an enormous amount of scandal in which someone says, well, if that's what following the supernatural looks like, I want nothing to do with that. It's a waste of time, waste of right. money. Right? Um, but could we also agree to say, well, what have for those who have given their time and their energy and their money towards pursuing God, what has that produced in their own holiness their own happiness, and actually how has that advanced um, the, the realm of humanity? You know, if, if nothing else, isn't it one-fifth of all U.S. hospitals are run by the Catholic Church? Um, where does that impetus to care for the sick and the dying come from if it's not rooted in human beings going beyond themselves towards the supernatural, um, actually living quite heroically for the sake of others? That does dignify humanity, but it's always ordered towards the one who embraced our humanity in the mystery of the Christmas season. Mm-hmm. Um, that just can't be brushed over too lightly. And that which Christians are faithfully and giving themselves to with a sense of holiness, with a sense of zeal, that really does speak into the humanist desire for an awesome expression. But that awesome expression, as you say, quoting the Second Vatican Council, has already been finding its standard in Christ who came to redeem us. So these are just a few thoughts, you know, based on this article that was prompting some thoughts in me. Um, and hopefully just kind of, you know, prepare some of our listeners to say, what is it that I want in the fullest expression of the human race? And how has that already found its, its key answers in Christ our Savior? Father, thanks for spending time with this um, little topic today. And let's keep our listeners in prayer and all of those who struggle with similar questions. God bless. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.